You are now listening to Shy Sox Weekly, hosted by Tony Marchese and John Suarez. Stocks Weekly. And it's been a while. We've been super busy. And it's been a while. Yeah, it was like right before Nam was the last time we talked. Again. And it's been a while since I could call you. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in to Shy Sox Weekly, episode 44 tonight. I am Johnny Nani, joined tonight by my co-host, Tony Marchese. Tony, how you doing tonight, man? Johnny, it has been a while. It has been, been a while. It's been a while since we've recorded this show. Um, you may notice there's no Jonda here. Um, Jonda is not with us tonight, um, so you won't hear his voice, unfortunately, uh, we've had tons of scheduling issues uh, over the last month, and to be quite frank, I think we blew it all when we went like two and a th- hours and fifty minutes with Pete Hand back in early July. Um, I'm pretty sure John is like still in a coma. Um, he fell asleep towards the end of that episode, and I don't think he woke back up. So we don't have Jonda, but we've got Johnny and Tony. And, and Johnny, you and I talk all the time, but you know I'm doing well. How are you doing tonight? I'm good, man. Um, you know, White Sox taking three of four Detroit uh, after taking two of three in Philadelphia. That's got me feeling great. I love when the White Sox win. Uh, I love winning. It's no secret. I think all of us do. I love fireworks. Uh, even, yeah, I, I love fireworks. Uh, even in a season where you're not expecting to compete, uh, you still want to start building the winning culture. So I, I think that's what's got me feeling uh, the best, especially after such a rough July. Uh, and we'll touch on that a little bit in here. But you know, it was a rough stretch right after the All-Star break, and uh, it was about time they start turning around. So uh, that's got me feeling good, Tone. Yeah, definitely. Um, we last talked was July 11th on this show, and God, July 11th. That was like right post-All-Star break, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was like right around yeah. there. So shortly thereafter, we had a watch party at Shy Sox Jonda's house. Uh, to start off the second half, and maybe that—I mean, that, that was like, what was that? The first game AJ Reed was like playing for the Sox or something like back in that yeah horrible I mean, stretch of time. Like we didn't—we didn't even get to—we didn't even get to do an episode of Shy Sox Weekly during the AJ Reed era. Yeah, we did. We did have that uh, live stream though, so I think we kind of voiced some displeasure, even though it was early uh, on him. We did. So there, there was no official episode then after that, but we did have a live stream, a Periscope that went, I would say, pretty shy socks weekly length, a yeah. little over an hour. It's close to an hour and a half actually. Um, so th- there was that out there. Um, we wish could have brought you an episode sooner, but uh, there are vacations. There's been work. Uh, there's been socks on taps. There's been plenty of different things, uh, night out, nights out at the ballpark that have uh, hindered us from recording. But uh, we back. 
yeah, it's it's good to be back. I'm I'm very happy to be back on these these airwaves. Um, Johnny, a lot of housekeeping stuff that we want to get to um, from the on tap Sportsnet side of things. Uh, we've got a new new sponsor of this show, and that's Second City Picks. I think that's the first thing we want to get out of the way here. Very happy to be working with Second City Picks. They, they've been awesome. Um, we've seen these guys since uh, since this baseball season started, um, interacting with them and even even putting in our own picks. And you'll hear a lot of our picks on uh, on our uh, Socks on Tap episodes. But, Johnny, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about Second City Picks? So, Tony, I'm a very uh, type A person, very organized. I love organization. Um, I love things that are clean cut, uh, easy to navigate. And Second City Picks is just that, Tony. Uh, it's really simple. You go find them on Twitter at Second City Picks. Uh, but all you don't even need a Twitter account uh, to even do it, though. You just go to secondcitypicks.com. And every day they will post a game that they are featuring that day that you can make a prediction for. And then if you get it right, you would win a... Uh, food gift card to a Chicagoland establishment and um, you, you go in and, and there's it doesn't take long at all I've done my picks in under 20 seconds before Tony you just go on secondcitypicks.com whatever the game of the day is usually either Sox or Cubs while it's during baseball season here and then you go and you make your prediction for what you number of runs you think each team will score then there's a tiebreaker in case two people had predicted the same score and that is usually the number of White Sox or Cubs hits and you just predict that, enter your email, um, they email you your picks right back so you know what you had as a receipt. And then if you win, they'll send you a gift card. It, it, it's that simple. They've had great stuff like Chipotle. Um, I think they've had Shake Shack. They've had just Grubhub in general, so you could spread that out wherever you want it. Um, they've had uh, some pizza places, Maybe too. Uh, a couple, yeah, I, it is making me hungry, too, here. But um, it, the best thing I like about it, Tony, is it's simple, doesn't take long, uh, and it's organized. So um, they're a great sponsor to have on. We are happy to be partnered with them for ONTAP Sportsnet all across. Absolutely. Um, you know, that you, you summed it right up there, Johnny. Um, now let's get into a few different other uh, housekeeping uh, things here. Johnny, people have been asking us when this next tailgate's going to be. We don't have a date planned yet, but there will be another Shy Sox Weekly ONTAP tailgate coming in the very near future. Hopefully end of august if not early september and then we we are going to try and get one at the end so if we can't get two in we'll definitely get one but we're going to shoot for two more i think is is our goal here uh stay tuned for that uh we don't have any announcements on dates or anything yet but uh you can always find us up at the ball ga- uh, ball game for an impromptu tailgate we're there most of the time um i feel like johnny I've seen you at the ballpark probably 20 times at least so far this year. It's been a really, really fun year so far up at the rate. Yeah, absolutely. So you had said we don't have a lockdown date, and we haven't because we want to consult with the rest of our crew, uh, Sox Jonda, of course, but then the other ONTAP Sportsnet contributors, uh, we would like them to be in attendance as well because that one that we had in May was such a fun time, Tony. It was. So uh, we, we want to be able to have as many people out as possible, so that's kind of why you know people are busy with other things. Uh, it, schedules conflict, so uh, that, that's why we don't have one. But when you talked about your the impromptu ones, um, I will for sure be out there Saturday night. 
Um, Saturday night at the ballpark, the White Sox play the A's 6-10 start. So, uh, you know, you, you get a nice Saturday, a little day drink in uh, out in Lot B. I will be there. Um, a bunch of my buddies from school uh, out there, uh, a bunch of White Sox fans. And uh, we're just going to be kicking back, talking baseball, having a good time, Tony. Uh, drink a few beers. That, that's what it's all about. And uh, Saturday, you can't go wrong with the Saturday. You know, people uh, may not be able to make it on time for a tailgate on a weeknight. Um, so, Saturday, you pretty much got all day. Uh, and if you come and spend it out in Lot B, uh, I guarantee you'll have a good time. Saturday before the A's game, 6-10 would probably be shooting for getting there around 4. Six minutes in, and I'm already cracking beer number two. This is going to be a fun night. Um, so, ballpark Saturday, I unfortunately will not be there. Um, but I'm sure I will be there at some point next week. Um <sighs> It's it's really weird to think that this season is winding down at this point in time. I mean, we're already heading towards mid-August. Um, this year has just gone by so fast. Um, I was looking at my season ticket plan, uh, the 20-game plan. I only have like three or four more games left that I that I have on my schedule. It's, it's kind of making me a little bit sad. But uh, we've got a lot of White Sox baseball to talk about tonight. Uh, we also have a guest a guest that I've been waiting to talk to all year, actually, since he was on this show last time. Uh, you know, him and I maybe don't see eye to eye on everything. I know he doesn't see eye to eye with Shaq Sykes John on everything. So it's kind of unfortunate that John is not here. But I will do my best to provoke this guest uh, while he's on the show. I'm, I'm sure Johnny knows what's going to be coming. He's a little nervous right now. Um <laughs> We have Jordan Lazowski from Sox on 35th coming on, so this should be should be really fun. Um, do you want to do news or do you want to get right into uh, into the guest right here? Because I know he's he's waiting. So uh, yeah, we, we will do one quick news uh, bit, and this one just came out not too long before we jumped on the mic, Tony. Mike Rodolfo, uh, he's back in action tonight, playing in the Arizona Fall League tonight. Uh, I couldn't be more static, Tony. I love this guy. Uh, I love his bat. I, I, it's so unfortunate to see him get injured multiple times. Uh, you know, he had the Tommy John. was only able to play, I think it was half a season last year, uh, and he was only batting. He, he was not uh, in the field at all then. So um, that, that was my biggest news update. Other than that, I mean, we kind of covered the other stuff on socks on tap. Uh, Nate Jones is gone. Uh, farewell. Um, you know, I, I liked him when he, when he was healthy, but he just couldn't stay healthy anymore. And it's unfortunate. Longest tenure White Sox out the door. Um, White Sox stood pat at the trade deadline. We're going to talk more about that with uh, Jordan Lozowski, get his thoughts on it. Um, but other than that, uh, Mankata's still out with the hamstring strain. And that's about all the news that we've got. We're finally coming back home uh, with two series of wins in our back pocket. So uh, with that, I think I'm about ready to turn over to the guest. How about you, Tone? Uh, absolutely. Let's get Jordan on, and uh, let's let's get some of his uh, good takes about the White Sox here. And we are now joined by Jordan Lazowski from Sox on 35th. He's one of my favorite people on Twitter to discuss baseball with. Uh, it's never never a bad time to jump into his mentions about just about anything. Uh, Jordan, <laughs> how are you doing tonight, man? Lovely evening, gentlemen. Great to be on. Great to be back after a long hiatus. I remember we were on one of the original Chai Sox Weekly episodes, so good to be back. 
Yeah, I was on that one, too. Um, it, it was good times and uh, definitely a lot that has happened between then and now. Um, there's a lot of good takes that you have. Uh, you have very good baseball mind, Jordan, very analytical, um, whereas we can kind of get a little more meatball here over at uh, Shia Sox Weekly. So um, it, like it's a good meatball. It's, it's good because uh, there was a beef. I think that's the first thing that we're going to have to address between you and the Shy Sox Weekly guys, Tony, and the other one that's not on Shy Sox Janda. Um, let's open it up with that. W- what was the Giolito beef about, so to say? So, you know, I think last time you guys were on here, and I'm going back to get a date. Uh, it looks like you guys were here <laughs> June 14th, 2018. Uh, so, yeah, quite a bit has gone on since then. Uh, I'd just like to say that, you know, Lucas Giolito was absolute dog shit last year. Um, and, and going into the year, you know, I was so high on Lucas Giolito. I wanted him, this is 2018. I wanted Lucas Giolito to be the ace of the staff. I want, I, I, I said on like my first or second episode of Shy Sox Weekly that this guy looks like he can be, you know, the ace of this, this team for 2018. Uh, I advocated for him being the opening day starter. Uh, I I came very close to keeping him in a in a uh, fantasy baseball league and ended up drafting him in like the second round, and <laughs> you know Lucas Giolito just came out and basically said "fuck you, I'm gonna suck," and you know through that whole 2018 season, I started to get really frustrated, just like everybody else. And you know what? I even started to talk about how. I was mad that so many people were calling Yoan Moncada a bust because I thought that everybody should be piling it on Lucas Giolito. And then I met Jordan. And we talked this over on, on Shy Sox Weekly, episode 11, it was, last June. And Jordan, you know, kind of just laid it in there that he thought that this was just kind of normal and that things were going to get better. And that, you know, as time went on, I think if I if I read your tweets right... Towards the end of the year, you said that Lucas Giolito was going to be the best pitcher on this staff, and I told you you were fucking crazy. So, <laughs> you know. To be fair, he hasn't had a lot of competition either. Well, okay. Yeah. But <laughs> if you look at him against the league, you know, yeah. especially in that first half, you know, I, I just felt like I, I couldn't do anything because you had you'd claimed host to the, you know, the, the train that he was on. And you know what? It even makes it worse because you guys went off and you wrote this this article about McCann, like a week after Sabi Zavala was on our show, <laughs> and you started referencing these trains. And you know we're big train people over here. Like if if <laughs> if Shy Sox Weekly were doing something else, we'd probably be running a train yard because you know. We talk all about these trains and choo-choo and Sebi Zavala and all this other stuff. Well, Sebi Zavala then comes up and sucks in his only appearance. Uh, well, he's had a, he's had two now, but um, nothing to write home about. And James McCann's an all-star. So, you know, just everything <laughs> that we've said on this show, you know, as opposed to what you've said, just it didn't – nothing on my end came to fruition. So it's frustrating. Um but I'll, I'll let you you tell your side of it because, you know, I, I don't want to be the only one speaking here. And, and now, right now, without John, I'm outnumbered by Sox on 35th guys here. So <laughs> even in my own home turf right now, I'm a little uncomfortable. So so let's just start out with this. There was nothing 
substantial to back up my argument. For someone who loves the numbers as much as I do, there was nothing 2017, 2018 in Giolito's numbers that would have made me not sound like a crazy person for saying, oh yeah, he'll be the ace of the staff next year. So you should start gambling. Sure. I don't mind it. I'll take it. Between between McCann and uh, Giolito, I might as well start betting. Are you a bigger, better (laughs) guy than Shy Sox John? I want it on the airwaves. No, no one's going to be bigger than him. Okay. Big better guy. I I couldn't even try to claim that title. If somebody gave gave you a bet slip with an over-under on Lucas... Giolito's 2019 ERA, and it was sitting at 3.5. How much money would you have laid on the under? Honestly, I don't know if I would have laid that much on the under. If it was four, I would have laid a lot on the under. Like, I was fairly convinced he's about a 3.5, 3.6 pitcher this year. I was fairly convinced by that. Again, by no numbers, by the very quote-unquote old-school type eye test. That was where I was kind of getting it from, the stretches of him putting it together and just saying this dude at some point has to be able to consistently learn how to repeat what he's doing. Well, and this was pre-mechanic sure. fix, man. This, right. is, this is watching him with the eye test. I love the eye test. I'm a meatball guy. Johnny knows it. I like my meatballs big. I like them spicy. And the eye test on a guy with really screwed up mechanics and just look at him and say, this guy can, can be lights out if he tweaks something. That's good. I like that. That you know that Johnny likes to say, I put the headband on because you know the takes are going to be so spicy tonight. Oh, yeah. I, I want that sweat <laughs> from the spices dripping right into the headband from that take right there. Yeah. yeah I, just, I just think the reality is that you you really is for even for someone who likes the eye test, you couldn't have really said too much about the type of year Giolito was going to have, and felt confident in the fact that you were saying something that was going to come true. I think that's the reality of it is that no one knew Giolito was going to say, "Hey, I need to learn how to repeat my mechanics," and was going to go out and completely change everything. I so like I said. A four, I would have definitely hammered the under. Three, five, I would have been a little bit more hesitant. But I knew he was not as bad of a pitcher as he was last year. Jordan, I think one of the biggest things here that uh, you're driving at when you had said, you know, you're huge into analytics and you are great at it. Um, I will say that you you just you know your stuff. Uh, you know how to analyze them. You know how to use them in an article, um, in an argument, whatever it may be. What you just had was faith in Giolito. And I feel like that yeah. in a season like last year, if the White Sox record was better, I feel like there would have been more people, maybe not as adamant about it as you, but people more willing to say, okay, this was kind of a down swing for the whole team overall, and he could put it together. But it was just so bad, obviously one of the worst in franchise history, that um, you kept the faith. And I think we got to give you major props for that uh, because I I, I, I didn't really um, uh, for Giolito. I was kind of indifferent. Um, I was frustrated when he struggled last year, 
but um, by no means was I propping this guy up to be, you know, a number one. I would have said Raylo is going to be your best pitcher uh, of this season. If I don't think I ever threw out that prediction, but uh, that, that's what it was going to be. So I just got to give props for uh, keeping the faith there. I appreciate it. And, and it's it's easy in a year like last year in the middle of a rebuild to have this mentality that all oh, the sky's falling because all Sox fans were really doing it in some form or fashion. It was a rough year, and it's a rebuild. It's going to be a rough year. And especially if you're not on Team Rebuild for a lot of Sox fans, it's the reaction's always understandable. That That's the one thing. As much as I disagree with some of the reactions, I understand them. I get where you're coming from. I get the frustration. No one wants to be here. And that's the reality of this entire rebuild. Nobody wanted to be here. Which is why the frustration starts to set in, and you start to get people who just are going to completely write off the entire 2018 season as nothing positive could have come from this. So I get it. I totally get it. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great way to put it because you know no, nobody really wants, like you said, nobody wants to watch crap baseball. Nobody wants to get on a mic and talk about crap baseball. Nobody wants to you know write about crap baseball. There's a lot of people who are doing this who, like you said, man, it's just easy to get frustrated. But, you know, I, I, I like what Johnny said. I, I echo that. And for you to take a chance and go out there and and say, you know, I think I think Giolito's going to turn around. And, and you've got some tweets in there. You you even dunked on me a little bit in one of your articles uh, about <laughs> Giolito. You know, and I, I take it, you know, uh, bat flips are, are cool and tough, like I said. Um, but... You know, it, it is what it is. I thought going into this year, I probably had a better chance of being right on this one. And, you're, you know, you're not right all the time. I think uh, Beef Loaf from the 108 wrote a really good article uh, this this season about some of the bad takes that he's had. Yeah. You know, you know nobody's ever right 100% of the time. And we all have some crazy ideas. Some of them work. Some of them don't. But at the end of the day, we're all human, man. We're, we're going to make we're gonna make mistakes on, on our calls. But... You know, it's you know, I'm I'm just impressed with with what Lucas Giolito did, and you know, for for as much as I've joked about not being able to be uh, impressed with this season, just how outspokenly, uh, how how outspoken I was about Lucas Giolito needing to be out of the rotation to start this year, and God, could you imagine? Because some of the other options this year have just been complete <laughs> and utter garbage. Um, what this rotation would look like if if the Sox had pulled the trigger on on getting rid of him or whatever um it would just be so bad and and watching him do whatever he did this year in in another uniform or whatever would just (laughs) it would not be it would be uh hell on earth that would be so white socks as johnny likes oh yeah yeah uh, that would be Uh, no like seriously could you imagine if they traded him this offseason just for for whatever like you know it would have been rick Hahn probably would have been run out of town yeah, if Lucas it would have been a rough one if he was traded and and in the All Star game. But that's not the only one. I want to talk a little bit about McCann because you guys over there uh, at Sox on Thirty Fifth, you guys formed this James McCann fan club basically, and uh, he had a great first half. The second half has not looked so great. Um, I want to get into a little bit about what you think he's going to end this season as. Is he a is he a three hundred hitter? 
Or is he more of a 260 guy? Is he going to regress back down to career norms? Was that first half a blip? Should they have traded him? What are your thoughts on McCann? Because I thought this guy was a candidate to get DFA'd in, I don't know, May? Or, or traded at that point when he started to play well? And now, I don't know what they do with him. Because, you know, we can get into a little Zach Collins, Sebi Zavala talk here. I don't know if those guys yeah. are the answer. So, what's your thoughts? So... Just start out with the whole James McCann story itself. It was just a rough day for Sox Twitter, honestly. The It was the Reds who had just made the trade with the Dodgers to clear up all the salary. We thought Harper was good and gone to Los Angeles. We were all just pissed off. And then the McCann signing was just around that same time. Everyone was up in arms on Twitter. Now, this is a $2.5 million, at the time, backup catcher. Like We just did not feel that there was any reason for the sort of uproar over a backup catcher that there was. So we just said, you know what, we're just going to hype the hell out of him and hope it works. And the reality is, Tony, there's there's really, some like Giolito, there's nothing that says he should have been this type of hitter. It's all off-season changes he might have made coming from one team to another. Now, first half, second half, first half hitter is not the same is not the type of hitter you should expect James McCann to be, I don't think. I think, given the changes he's made, he's a 270-280 hitter. But I also think he's one of the best game callers and most prepared catchers the Sox have had in a very long time. And given what I've seen from that, given how he's between a game called by Castillo, for example, and a game called by McCann, seeing the difference, seeing the trust... (laughs) <laughs> the pitchers have ha- had in McCann. If he were to only be a 240, 250 hitter right now, his game calling is, for for the time being at least, his game calling is worth it to keep around and teach the younger guys how to call a game. Because they've talked endlessly about his preparation, his game calling, all of that. And that's something the Sox have missed sorely. Yes, I, I agree with that. And yeah. Johnny, I was gonna, I, I was going to ask you, what you thought about that statement right there. So I I wanted to interject because I watched, you know, I had the 40 game plan last year, have it again this year. And I watched so much Omar Nervaez crap behind the plate, fine at the plate, but behind it. Oh my gosh. He Jordan. uh, I don't have the numbers pulled up, but I think you could probably attest to it. He is one of the worst defensive catchers in all of baseball. He was, and I, I don't. You, you get the guys who want to play armchair GM, and he was under control through twenty twenty one or twenty two. Um, you know, he's young. He's a rule five. Um, you know, the offensive production was great in this, uh, basically from June on last year. I, I was so happy to get rid of him and get a legitimate bullpen piece. I could not stand watching Omar Narvaez catch actually a game anymore. Um, so I was beyond elated with it, and we just, like you had said, Jordan, we just jumped on the McCann hype train. Um, I think th- there were a lot of people who had said, well, the White Sox absolutely needed to get Yasmani Grandal, and it was the end of the world. Things were burning down if they didn't. And I thought that was just so ridiculous because Grandal was going to go to a team like the Brewers, a team that could compete, a team resigned with the Dodgers, whatever. You know, you never know. Um, so 
I was okay with the catcher situation going in. And then obviously we had to, we had to just hype it up because of the ridiculous outrage that was going on. It's understandable. People get frustrated. People get heated, but there was so much heaped on McCann uh, for that when he hadn't even played game for you yet. And like you said, the, the contract situation, it wasn't like they, they blew it away. Like, you know, like we're paying Ivan Nova, what close to nine mil. Um, Yeah. You know, it's, it's not something like that. So, uh, yeah, I, we just jumped on it, and I'm glad that it has propelled him now to an all-star appearance and a little regression now. But uh, I think the approach is better at the plate overall, though. So uh, that's just my take on McCann. And uh, adios, Omar Narvaez, because you were terrible behind the plate. That is uh, that, some guys that I'll always rip on. Juan Manaya, Omar Narvaez, <laughs> and there's you know last year the Yanmar Gomez's of the world uh, I mean yeah. those ones are easy too but there are always some whereas you'll have the some of the staunch defenders um, especially in Narvaez's case with the offensive numbers but I think it can't be understated the value that he provides to a pitching staff Jordan and even if he was a 240 hitter like you had mentioned I think his value goes way beyond that so I want to I want to curtail this back a little bit and do you think Jordan that McCann, on top of the mechanical changes that he made, that Giolito made, do you think McCann was kind of the answer for Giolito? I do. I think you need someone behind the plate who's established a good relationship with the pitcher on the mound. Like, this is stuff that goes back to even just me playing high school ball. There were catchers I'd rather pitch to than other guys. And that's just this low-level nothing high school senior like there is a difference mentally for pitchers in who you're throwing to the confidence in what they're calling the confidence hey if he if i throw a curveball in the dirt here he's gonna block it for me yep it's those small things that someone like who we've ripped on giolito before for how cerebral he is when you have a cerebral guy on the mound you need someone who's thinking just as much and more for him behind the plate so that you could take some of that mental pressure off the pitcher and let the catcher handle it. I like that. I like how baseball-y we're being here too. This is refreshing, um, especially being away from, from Shy Sox Weekly, getting in depth on some of this stuff. Now, interesting enough, McCann has kind of faltered a little bit in the second half, especially in July. Giolito kind of had a blip in July too. And you wrote about it. You want to tell us a little bit more about that article that you wrote about Giolito's July being a blip? And we've, we've kind of seen him come out of it a little bit. So, you know, your, your theories are kind of proven. But you want to explain that a little bit more in depth for anybody who hasn't read that? Yeah, so it's, it's something I've kind of more talked about. The article was a Fangraphs article. But what the article said and then what I've been talking about a lot is there's no real difference between Lucas Giolito, April to June, and April or Lucas Giolito, July. The velocity is not down. Their first pitch strike percentage is not down. Strike percentage in general not down. He's the same pitcher that he was. So whether it's just he's not locating as well that day, or maybe, the maybe I don't know, he's faced the Tigers and the Royals like five times. Like eventually teams figure it out no matter how bad they are. So it's like, you, it's a it's a season Detroit's of adjustments. Detroit's, Detroit's terrible. Really bad. Detroit sucks. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but at the same time, it's still 
they're going to figure you out once in a while, especially if you don't have your best stuff. You can't get away with it as much. And I think over the course of the season, it's still about adjustments. It's still about him learning. And the reality is, he's still in year one of brand new mechanics, too. There's going to be a point where he's getting tired, he's throwing more, he's throwing longer, and he's still trying to figure it all out. And it's weird that him and McCann kind of coincided there, and I think it kind of speaks to the relationship they have. And how now you got to work together to help yourselves over the hump. Yeah, that's a great point, Jordan. Um, I think one of the other things that was mentioned in there, and I think you pointed out, was he's facing the Twins, too, in uh, one of those for sure. And those guys are unbelievable this year. Uh, I, I am actually very, very impressed with the Twins. Uh, I dislike them wholeheartedly. Tory Hunter ripped my heart out way too many times growing up as a kid. <laughs> so uh, I will never forgive the Twins for that. But, man, they are hitting the ball out of the ballpark at an astronomical rate. Um, so I think that also plays into um, what you had just mentioned, you know, facing uh, different competition uh and you know when you're facing the same and they're just gonna figure it out after a while they have enough tape on it uh they have enough scouting to uh really get to you so um i think he's on the upswing though uh i think that's the that's the most encouraging thing here uh it it reassures you and any fan that was still skeptical that it was not a um it was not just like some miracle thing that he made the all-star game. Like he deserved it every bit and he is finally getting back to that form now. So uh, it's good to see him do that over these last two starts here. Um, but Jordan is kind of going away. I know we've talked a lot about both McCann and Giolito. Um, I had mentioned your numbers prowess uh, earlier in the show, but just for someone who may not have as in-depth knowledge of it as someone like you does, what are your favorite sabermetrics to use to analyze pitchers and then hitters and why? Uh, I I think that's a good thing because even though people want to throw out numbers and think they know it just because they have the stat in front of them, uh, it's still tough for even sometimes me to understand. Uh, I don't know if, you know, this is really good or if it's just average or whatever. Um, But what do you like to use and why? I think that's the biggest thing here. uh, If we we have a true numbers guy here on Shy Sox Weekly. Yeah, absolutely. So with pitchers, ERA and FIP are two things. That's a good place to start. Um, FIP is like when you f- take out any um, home runs out of the equation. So you're dealing with, or you're dealing, or excuse me, you're leaving home runs in the equation. You're taking out any batted balls. So home runs, strikeouts, walks, anything the pitcher can control. And they say you tend towards your FIP over the course of a season. So if you're if those two numbers are wide in their difference, that's probably not a good thing which is if you look at giolito's 2017 numbers his era was like two his fip was like four and we saw giolito the next year so he was probably closer to that four in terms of what he was truly pitching like now this year his era and his fip match so that's a really good place to start is that you're pitching how both metrics really see that you should be pitching if that makes sense the other thing I like to use a lot for pitchers is spin rate on their fastball. Um, it's one of the reasons why I believe Ronaldo Lopez really needs to make some changes to really be successful. It's Spin rate is more about how much rise you're getting on your fastball. So that 
instead of working east to west, you're working um, north and south with your fastball. Um, and that, especially when hitters with launch angle, exit velocity being so big, hitters are swinging under the ball a lot more. If you can get that rise on a fastball, you're going to miss more bats. So those are the things I kind of like to look at with pitchers. With hitters, I like to look at what's called weighted on base average and compare it to what's called expected weighted on base average. So weighted on base average just tries and takes into account, okay. Is that WOBA? Yeah, that's WOBA. I like that's that name, basically Woba. like, I do, I do enjoy WOBA a lot. And WOBA, WOBA, WOBA. <laughs> but basically what that does is it tries and takes the, for the lack of a better word, deficiencies of batting average, slugging, on base percentage, and try and factor it into a number that looks a lot like batting average, slugging, on base percentage. And the expected WOBA takes into account how hard you hit the ball as well. I love WOBA. I think Hawk would like Woba too. <laughs> Can you just imagine? You don't know what Harrison, it means, but you just have to say it. Throwing out Woba all the yeah. time. Yeah, this guy's got a great Woba. <laughs> Stone would like look at him and be like, "Do you even know what that means?" And Hawk would just be like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, has had a great Woba." <laughs> yeah, yeah, has of course did. Had a great Woba. <laughs> let me let me tell you about the best ball player. Yes, he had great woba. <laughs> Carry on, sorry. I just... No, you're good. And so then comparing, much like ERA and FIP, comparing woba and expected woba. If those two are far off, you're probably due for some regression. Is Kinda expected like... woba e-woba? No, it's ex-woba. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Um, the other one is BABIP, batting average on balls in play. This is what a lot of people were referencing when they were expecting McCann regression. BABIP is exactly what it sounds like. Balls you're putting in play that aren't going over the fence, how often are you getting on base? And if it's astronomically high, like close to 400 where McCann's was, you're expecting a regression. Not all of those balls are going to be hits 40% of the time. That's just not by any standard something a player is capable of doing consistently. So those are kind of the numbers when you're looking at a performance basis, what you're kind of expecting from a player. That's what I kind of like to look at as a whole. Okay, cool. So we want to get the mentality side of it down first. Now I'm going to bring it back to some White Sox examples. We'll start with pitchers, go with hitters, just in that format that I had given you there. What do you see from Cease now? Because he throws a curveball, which I don't think we've seen a real true curveball out of anyone on the staff in a while. Yeah. It's been a long time. And then obviously he's got he's got a solid fastball as well. He can pump it uh, yeah. when he wants to. So um, spin rate wise, um, any numbers that you, you like from uh, Cease? Even though you know some people just look, yeah. Excuse me, your average fan may just look at ERA, say, oh well, this guy's struggling. He's only two and four now, and he's got you know ERA whatever five plus, and they they may write him off or you know think that he's not doing as well as he is. But when you watch him, obviously you think, you know, it's a different story. One, he's not getting run support. I think that's a big thing there too. But uh, just from 
uh, metrics that you had described here. Just talk to us about Cease a little bit. Yeah. So ERA and FIP are kind of kind of going to be out of the equation because um, the ERA itself is so high that it only serves that your FIP is going to be lower, which in reality, when you're pitching at a close to six ERA, really the only place you have to go is down. So his ERA is six, his FIP is five. So it's not saying he's pitching well. It's saying he could be doing a little bit better. When it comes to the underlying metrics, the kind of like the things I reference when I talk about Fulmer, the spin rates. Dylan Cease is like the type of pitcher's dream you're looking for when you're looking at both fastball and curveball spin. So he's upper 70, 75th percentile in terms of at his curveball velocity, at his fastball velocity, how much spin does he get on it? And that's why you see such an awesome curveball when he gets it over, when he gets a good feel for it. It's because of how tightly it's spinning and how much it serves to drop. So that's the biggest thing with Cease is his fastball spin, curveball spin, excellent. I think his is more of a mechanical timing release point problem right now. I think the dude's just too overamped. Um, for someone who's usually as methodical and robotic as he is, I think it serves it would serve him well to continue to work out this season, work through the kinks, and really establish his mechanics, his preparation, all going throughout this season. I think Absolutely. he's going to be a stud. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He is yeah. front of the rotation material, without a doubt. Yeah, and I really like that. Um, and you said, yeah, sure. With the ERA being so high, it's kind of hard to, you know, use that standard um, of ERA and uh, FIP that you like there. So, but I think it's good to even with that. With that being said, that he still could be doing a little bit better, um, just given those numbers where they're at right now. Um, I like that point because it's just something that we want to point out to maybe someone who's more of your average baseball fan uh, yeah. and not really dial in the numbers. So that, that's what's there. And then I'm going to help bridge the gap. Um, obviously, I have a stake in both here. Um, I'm going to bridge the gap between Chai Sox Weekly and Sox on 35th here. You, you, we had, had some splits over uh, McCann, Zavala, uh, the Giolito, uh, Naysayers, and uh, no believers. Home run. Nice. That's good to know. But go. I, I'm going to bridge the gap here uh, since I can be a mediator. We can all enjoy cease hammers, and that's what we're going to call them. Yeah. So this curveball spin rate is so good, Jordan. And we, we're going to enjoy cease hammers together. So uh, I'm just letting both of you know. It's, it's not a choice. Not a choice. Um, all right. I can get behind I, I, that. Under the offense, before we get into a little more state of the White Sox and some a uh, couple lighter topics. But we, we got our numbers guy on. We got to hear the numbers. When you're talking about Babbitt, Avi Garcia. Now that when he had his all-star campaign, tell me how astronomical his Babbitt was. It was, I want to look it up. Just It was astronomical. It was, you know, as Sox fans, hindsight is twenty twenty, And him having another good year this year, there was nothing about any performance that he had with the White Sox that you could have told me this is the type of player he's going to be, and here's why. 392 was his BABIP in 2017. That was his all-star season with the White Sox. That's, that's that's as high as McCann's has been all season. So for everyone saying, oh, McCann's going to come down, McCann's going to come down, you're right. He's you're, you're seeing it. Avi was the same way the next season when he only hit, what was it, like 250, 260, maybe? 
Avi liked the eye test a little too much around, you know, the Detroit area. That's why he's yeah. Going. He, he also yeah. drove the, he also drove the ball into the ground. Yeah, which is ridiculous for a guy which that is, big. Yeah, when he is that big, and he pounds the ball into the ground as much as he does, for him to find a way to have a three ninety two BABIP over the course of a season is insane. Like, think of how many ground balls Avi Garcia hits in a season. 39% of those balls went for hits. That is insane to me. Now, he's gone to Tampa. And if you want to look at launch angle, he's raised it by about three degrees on average since 2017. So now he's forming into a different ball player. But you couldn't have told me he was going to do that when he had made no adjustments to do so when he was still with the White Sox. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to do that because we wanted to get your explanation on it first and then bring it back to a White Sox example. So yeah, for sure. things that people are watching every day and they can get that. So I hope that was helpful for the listeners. Uh, it was helpful for me because um, I, I like the advanced metrics, but I am not nearly as well versed in them as you are, Jordan. So um, that's why we have Jan. It's great to hear that take. Um, me and Tony, you won't find us discussing. Uh, discussing we might say woba a lot more now uh, but not <laughs> how it means it will be hawk style with that but uh that uh that, that was a good segment there um let's get into some of uh the other state of the white Sox things um th- this may have been you know before ryan goins uh actually being decent ball player ever since yeah. uh coming up to the big leagues but uh you're big on Man- danny mendick um, just tell yeah. us a little bit about your uh, your campaign to get Danny Mendick to the south side. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's it's more, you know, when you're having a terrible season, you're in a rebuild. I just feel, especially with fringe guys, we might just be think our quad A players. We're running them out there. Jose Rondon. Yes, Jose Rondon. Yelmer Sanchez. We're running them out. Sneaky power, Jose Rondon. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I was- like, I was laughed at that term, sneaky power. Get out of here. So sneaky, you can't even see it. Yep. I mean, is that's like half the problem. When you're running those players out there who have this sneaky power that you're not seeing, it gets frustrating when a guy is having an excellent season down in AAA, might be a fringe guy, kind of like Matt Skoll. But at that point, why not bring them up and give this new set of fringe guys a chance? Maybe he finds something. We, we very clearly see Yolmer Sanchez is not, he's a quad A player. Kind of like Lucas Giolito was before this year started. <laughs> sure. If, you, if you're really going to go after off of a one year of data, go ahead. Oh, he loves poking the bear. <laughs> I, knew, I knew that would come up eventually. No, no worries. But if it, with certain players, it, it feels like they've overstayed the amount of time you would want to see them during a rebuild because during a rebuild you're trying to see what you got is did did it bother you when they called adam engel back up because he's one of those guys yeah he is one of those guys and i don't think there was a better option and i know they needed an outfielder i think that's bullshit because you have luis roberts sitting in triple a well yeah that's a whole different scenario that's a bona fide major league star and we're keeping five tool star. Yeah, that's a, that <laughs> yes. is a five tool star sitting in the minors. That's a completely different question than can we just see if oh, Danny Mendick can play guys, the major league? Guys, level? he's he's too young to be in the major leagues. He's what twenty two. 
and yeah, we've watched uh, yeah. what is it, twenty year old Fernando Tatis just. Yeah. Absolutely fucking breakdown <laughs> in San Diego. And now Boba yeah. shots up here hitting a double every time he steps up to the plate. God. Ugh. The Sox need one of those type of studs. Like everyone asks, why did all our prospects struggle when they first come up? Player development. It, it's a part of player development. And Luis Roberts at next year. He probably will struggle just as much as Moncada did or Eloy has. Um, don't tell me that. I need someone surefire. I was going to say, <laughs> I don't think... Like, Here's the thing. I don't think there's any rhyme or reason for why Tatis came up and was a stud right away or it's Bichette be- comes up and is a stud right away. I don't think there's a reason for it. The White Sox can't have nice things. Besides, you know if, you yes, know if Tatis was... You know. You know. If Fernando Tatis was on this team his first year here would have been abysmal yeah it just would have because that's how things work and just i don't i don't personally understand it and i mean you look at someone like the rockies who had brendan Rodgers come up did not hit well and then ended up tearing his labrum i think it was or something like that so it's like it happens to a lot of teams we just don't see it because it's so easy to focus on the guys who hit right away. Oh, and that, that's all you're going to see from uh, MLB and MLB Pipeline yeah. is and the Tatis highlights, your Pete Alonzo's, uh, Michael Chavis when he had that great stretch in, uh, I think that was May for yeah. him. Hell, they'll even, they'll even go and promote Vlad Guerrero Jr., who's had yeah, who's arguably had a, bad a bad year, but yet so, every yeah, time he hits a home run, I mean, oh, man, this guy's a star. But... You know, the reason the reason this all happens, I mean, you just go look at the track record. Kopech comes up. We all know what happened. Moncada, absolute bust. Eloy, injured a few times and not having the rookie of the year campaign that we wanted to see. Right. Uh, you know, it just, it's over and over and over again throughout this rebuild so far. Even Cease has come up. And guys, for as much as we like Cease hammers, is there anything, and, and, I think his stuff is just absolutely phenomenal. Like that raw talent that Cease has, I think, is as good, if not better, than what we saw at a Kopech when Kopech came up. But it's like meh because he gets into so much trouble and he does he does he's not refined yeah. yet. So it's not I like think... we we really haven't had somebody that's come up during this rebuild and it's like yes. hell yes, this guy's our fucking stud. You know, we're yeah, missing but... that. But let's remember the last time that happened to the White Sox. Uh, Gordon Beckham. Exactly. Gordon Beckham. Gordon Beckham, second place in uh, AL Rookie of the Year voting. Yeah. I, just, I, mean, I mean, if I'm going to take the lumps, I'd rather it be now. Yeah. I Are you I, calling Chris Getz the turtle slow and steady wins the race? <laughs> I, I'll take it whatever it might be. I'd rather have this. Then be so sure that we have the next stud, and instead we have the next Gordon Beckham. I'd rather that not happen to the White Sox. <laughs> There's going to be a I Chris Getz turtle meme coming, I want, Tony. I want, <laughs> you know, everybody else has got the jackrabbit. You know, they're all running. They got those Fernando Tatises. You're saying those guys are going to burn out, and we're going to have Moncada, Eloy, you know, just turtling along. You know, Eloy kind of reminds me of a turtle, you know, just like <laughs> – What's up, mom? Talking to mom on the sidelines of the race, you know, while Fernando Tatis is running three laps around him, 
you know, I, oh, I, I don't know if that gets you AL Rookie of the Year or just, no. you know, whatever. It is what it is. But He's fun yeah. to watch. He's fun to watch on uh, Comcast or Chuck Garfine, whatever. Eloy's fun to watch even when he's not playing well. Oh, yeah. I, at, least I, at least I can enjoy that. There's yeah. some entertainment it, it, value. The thing with Eloy is I, I just wonder. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of patience for me. Uh, yeah. I, I, you get impatient. It's easy, too, as a fan. Cause he's, the bottom line is everybody wants, no matter what depends you have on how we get there, everybody just wants to see this team win. Right. So I think that's why you know we, we kind of air these frustrations. And it's a good venting space for it. Uh, it it's good. And now I'm not writing you know tweet threads about it. Um, but I think we just wanted a surefire guy, and we had made a predictions uh, on the Shy Sox Weekly uh, season preview episode, and I had said Eloy's going to come up and be that surefire guy because yeah. you know the the bat is the, I know the bat is going to be that. Um, I'm not doubting that, but it was just you know injuries are part of that too. Um, that's going to happen, so uh, th- that's kind of slowed things down. But I was hoping for a not win rookie of the year, but be in the consideration for it. So yeah. um, I think that's why. And when you had said, "Oh, Luis Robert." take his lumps too that's like don't tell me that but right yeah, no it's very, I get it. very realistic he probably will but then again i think that's the case for calling him up i'd rather see it now this yeah. season instead of beginning of next year when there's actually going to be a more well put together rotation uh you say hey, you would put a tweet out about it you want them to commit to 2020 being yeah. their opening of the com- i mean you know the competitive window opens earlier yes but actually commit to competing in 2020 right. i think that's the biggest I'll say frustration that I have right now with the state of the White Sox besides not switching out fringe quad A type guys more consistently. I think if you keep from anything the Sox have said, 2020 is the year. Hey, this is when we're starting to compete. This is what we're committing to. We're not committing to the playoffs, but we're committing to competing. And it doesn't feel consistent to say that and then throw away the first couple of months waiting for Madrigal and Robert to develop themselves at the major league level. It, it feels like there's a lack of consistency there. Now, granted, I'm not the GM. I'm not the director of player development. They're, like, they weren't really BSing us when they said Eloy needed to work on his defense. Like we just talked BS. about yeah, we just talked about this actually on Socks on Tap last night. Yeah, like, you know it's yeah. Like, they're, they're, I'm sure the contract was obviously a portion of it, but it wasn't the only thing holding them back. Like, there are legit problems with Eloy's defense. And there might be things they see in Robert's game. For example, I think his pull happy tendencies are one of them, that they're like, hey, we want him to work this out a little bit. Uh, pulling the ball is cool and tough. Let me correct you right here. <laughs> um, There's nothing totally. wrong with pulling the ball. My only worry is if a team starts to exploit that by just hammering the outside corner on them. I just want to see him be able to make those adjustments. But I think you can do that at the major league level. I think what's August more likely to happen. The adjustments will be made or the money will be spent. Ooh. Ooh. God. I really, <laughs> I just, I, I can't say I don't trust them not to spend the money this out in some fashion. I don't know if they'll go get a Garrett Cole. I think they'll do something. Jordan, you're about to answer the next question. You're, you're psychic here. Well, I think we kind of led you into it. But um, 
what do you realistically see in the White Sox offseason plans? I think you were just starting on it. I hate to interject there, and you can just yeah. continue with these thoughts, but I just wanted to get out there because that was the next question on our rundown. What do you see them realistically doing uh, in the offseason? I think there's... I think there's some potential to... I would say maybe trade for some sort of cost-controllable starter. I don't know if they'll go out and get a Garrett Cole or a top-of-the-line guy. I think there's the opportunity... No, I don't have a name. Is Nova that guy already? No, I'm saying someone... He, He... He's he. We need something like him, if that makes sense. Still, someone who's going to give you 200 innings no matter what. So they should have just signed James Shields to a three-year deal. Is what you're telling me? I advocated <laughs> for a long time while we were running Manny Banuelos out there. Let's bring James Shields back. James Shields. I just, but someone's got to go out there and be the veteran type who can eat two like. Our version of a John Lester. Someone who's going to eat those 200 innings. Yeah, but the difference between our version of a John Lester is like, hey, can we try and get 150 out of Dylan Covey? You know, like, it, it just... Yeah, who, I don't... Like, who's out there right now? Zach Granke would have been the guy. You know, like, to me, that would have been such an easy move to make. And, and I don't know what... I don't know what the asking price would have been if Rick Hahn dials up Arizona and says, "Hey, we want to, we want to, we want Zach Greinke." You know, they they'd probably look at our our farm system and command a lot, right? Um, because the the problem is the, the White Sox, like let's just say middle tier type prospects, didn't do Rick Hahn any favors this year. Rutherford's struggling. Luis Gonzalez struggling. Gavin Sheets struggling. Dane Dunning hurt. Those are guys that would have been included in a Grinky type trade that you can no longer include because they're hurt or struggling. That's part of the problem with not going out and getting Grinky. Now, I don't know if that's also the best use of the money because he's a very large contract. And I don't know how much I love that contract it depends on how much money they were willing to take on too um but someone like i know i think white Sox davis talked a lot about this cole hamels yes he has is someone cole hamels a lot yeah he's someone i could see being our version of a john lester someone who's going to give you those innings but is going to be competitive while doing it that's the difference between james shields ivan nova and cole hamels they're all going to give you 200 innings one of them is going to be competitive while they're doing it. Um, I don't know. I've thought about this one a lot. The potential of going out and getting Anthony Rendon. Now, this this is this is a hot take for some fans on Twitter. Is it? Is it? Is it a we meatball want take? Is it a meatball take though? Well, I I'll, I'll, be so. Jordan, I'll be the judge. I'll be. I'll be the judge. Meatball takes, Tony. He's what? <laughs> He's too grounded to have meatball takes. <laughs> everything's calculated and that's good. You need those people, but then you also need the people who are going to light the fire. So we kind of yeah. do. Sucks no, I get that. Bad. Serves a good balance. It does. So, it does. so yeah, give me, give me this, give me this Anthony Rondon. I like that name. I yeah. like that name, Anthony. It's I a good want, name. Strong name. If I'm putting a lot of money out somewhere, I'd love to sign Rondon, 
move Moncada back to sh- or to second because you look at the numbers. He had he, he's been people are saying oh his defense is better. No, he's hitting well, and people are ignoring his defense. The defense still isn't top tier. Very true. So I can ignore the defense if you're hitting 300 and smacking 25 bombs. I'll ignore the defense. Move him back to second. And I really think Madrigal could serve as a true trade type, head of a deal type piece. Yes. For the cost controllable starter you're looking for. To like solidify this. that rotation. I like this. Now, do I have a name yet? No, I'd have to look more into types of guys to be looking at. Um, Luke Weaver is actually one of my personal favorites down in Arizona. Arizona now, yeah. But he's thought... looking like he's looking like someone who they've had him on the bench for a while because he had some with his elbow. They're like trying to avoid Tommy John. It feels like mm-hmm. he so keeps going. He keeps there. going to the DL slash IL, whatever yeah. you want to call it these days. Um, and yeah, he looks like one of those guys. He looks like one of those guys that as soon as he hits the White Sox roster, he's got a year and a half before he actually plays a game. Yeah, and that's why I would worry about someone like him. But that's the type of guy you're looking for. Someone who... A healthy Luke Weaver. Yeah, Let's go with that. A healthy, yeah. a healthy type Weaver, yeah. Has made, who is cost-controllable, he's young, and he's not like... I wouldn't say he's not an ace because he has the potential to be, but he doesn't have a full track record yet. So here's a question like, for you, though, sure. before, you, before you jump off on this. And this is one of my theories, Johnny. You've probably heard it before. Will Rick Hahn pull the trigger on trading some of these prospects that he's kind of hoarded so far? Because I have kind of a tinfoil hat theory that Rick Hahn – is too chicken shit to pull the trigger on trading any of these prospects after what happened to him with the Fernando Tatis James Shields deal. That's fair. No, that's fair. And I think, well, let's I say mean, you don't you don't have really have GMs coming up yeah. and, and saying that they're a dumbass for doing it. You know, is is he in his own head with this? Because I'm a firm believer that if Rick Hahn doesn't pull the trigger on trading some of these guys, he's going to wind up accumulating too many busts and not that yeah. not that all of these guys are going to pan out you know but you know say Jake Berger gets healthy and there's yeah. no place for Jake Berger is Jake Berger going to rot in AAA until he turns into a a, a 4A guy because you got to move these guys along to get them developed right. right we've got a lot of first base third base DH types okay yeah um and we we've kind of hoarded around that. Even even a guy like I think Matt Skull is somebody who probably could get moved at some point in time in a deal as a as a package player with a guy like Madrigal for something of value, for something of serious value to a contending team. But we we haven't yet seen that first trade of any of these prospects yet. And I yeah. don't think we're at a point personally for it to have happened, but I feel like entering this offseason in, in into 2020, if he does not move any of these guys for a proven vet, we already yeah. we already know the struggles that we have signing free agents. If if we don't use what we have to go out and acquire said star player, whether it be financial resources or a stockpile of talent that becomes redundant at some point, you look at the outfielders that we also have in the minor leagues and the first base, third base types. Go move that for a pitcher. You you brought it up perfect. That that's where we have a need. Yeah. If he doesn't do that, 
does that kind of, you know, does that leave you a little bit leery of his ability to go make those trades? And I, I think he's in his own head. That's just my personal take. But I don't know. What, what are you, what are your thoughts on that? And Johnny, you feel free to comment on it too. Um, it's just something that I've kind of watched, and and just the way that he's acted around, you know, moving any anything. He hasn't even suggested the fact that he has a stockpile of of prospects that can be yeah. moved for somebody. I think he hinted at it a little bit um, when he was talking about the uh, trade deadline. Like they were trying to look at things where they were acquiring cost-controlled talent, which is what we've kind of been talking about here. Um, in re- going back to the James Shields trade, I think that serves as so much more to learn than to be scared of. That was a trade where you're trying to force something. Shields had like four bad starts in a row to where we were like, uh, okay, maybe we don't trade for him. It was like, he got lit up in Seattle. Then he gave up the home run to Bartolo Colon. <laughs> and it was like, oh, wait, wait, do we want to trade for this dude right now? And I felt like that was something where you learn, hey, maybe I don't need to force this trade. Like, I have to love it just as much as the other team does. Now, granted, hindsight's twenty twenty. Tatis never played a game. Stateside. He was 17. Yeah, he never played stateside. He was 17. It's all right, guys. We've got his younger brother. Yeah, we got his younger brother now, so, so we'll good. see what happens here. But that's just a freak trade of, and I think that just serves as, if you're not in love with the trade, don't do it. He, you can't sit and tell me Han was like, oh yeah, I got exactly what I wanted here. As my guy on the video board just gave up a home run to Bartolo Colon. Like, I don't feel like I just got what I wanted right there. Well, you know, if I go back and I dissect that trade, first off, 98% of White Sox fans had never heard of Fernando Tatis. Right. The Sox had just come off of, or maybe it was soon thereafter, but I'm pretty sure it was just coming off of DFAing John Danks, who everybody wanted to see gone. Yep. And you replaced him with a veteran with playoff experience, and we thought, as White Sox fans, that this was the move that was going to kind of move the needle a little bit. And we yeah. were we were commending this front office for, for getting rid something. of crap and doing something to go for it. And now, all of a sudden, it's the one of the worst trades in White Sox history. Uh, you can't – sure, now it is. In 2019, it is. But at the time, there was nothing to suggest this was going to happen. And I think that's what Sox fans tend to lose. Well, hindsight is twenty twenty. I'll give you that exactly. one. Exactly. There you go. That should be on a t-shirt. But. Um, Copyrighted. There you go. Oh, what was I going to say now? I totally just blanked. Oh, the former for Peterson trade that Twitter apparently destroyed. Nice little picture like, of Tatis think- going deep right below hindsight is twenty twenty. There you go. I like it. There you I'm go. Drawing it up right now. That'll uh, that'll sell. <laughs> um, but that Fulmer and Peterson trade that whether or not it was actually true, the Twitter blew it up is one thing or another. But for that to be something that was potentially suggested, I think hints at the fact that Hans starting to get to the point where he realizes strike when the iron's hot. Versus trying to wait too long. Like Rutherford's a good example. When he was hitting in June and July, 
trade him then before yes. he starts to have a bad August, which he's having to start August right now and a bad end to July. Trade him now. And that's what I think moving into this offseason, anyone who had a good 2019, like a Steel Walker type player, look out for those types of names to be included in trades. So whether or not he pulls the trigger, your conspiracy theory here, Tony, I don't know. Um, but I think to play as a scared-in-your-head GM would be a very rough move to make. Yeah, good points there, Jordan. Um, I think we're going to have to revisit this, and we would definitely need to <clears> – <throat> excuse me. We'll definitely need to have you back on uh, once the offseason rolls around because uh, we, we, we can talk about how um, – you know, we weren't competing this year and whatever. But as soon as the season ends, we're all going to miss it. So oh, yeah. we're we're, we're oh, going to yeah. be speculating offseason stuff. So when that gets closer, I think we'll have to have you on for a more lengthy discussion about that and the actual developments going on. But um, we're we're going to wrap up one with a uh, th- this will wrap up the intensive, real uh, nitty gritty of the White Sox day, the White Sox future of the White Sox segment here with um, who's the breakout player next year and if it's Luis Robert let's give a secondary one as well because I think that's right. very easy to say Luis Robert I probably would but uh, no, we let's just determine that Luis of... Robert's going to be terrible next year Johnny come on man <laughs> pay attention <laughs> I think there's a lot of potential if he gets the at bats he deserves for Zach Collins to really break out Ooh. I like him a lot more than a lot of Sox Twitter does for the sole sake of, this team stinks at getting on base. Tag them so they know who you're talking walk. about. Let's see. <laughs> I could pick. Put a name on just, it, bra. Put a name on it, bra. <laughs> I mean, let's go left to right. And the only one I can think of that gets on base at a respectable clip that's part of the future <clears throat> are Timmy, if he's hitting, and Moncada. This team does not walk at all. And for someone like Zach Collins to kind of work his way on base, I don't care if he hits 220. If you're hitting 220 and you're on base is 360, I'm going to take that all day because you're getting on base one form or the other. You have guys to drive him in. Here's a meatball take for you, and you'll, you guys will probably disagree with that. I don't mind Zach Collins hitting second if he can figure it out and get hot because – Seeing a ton of pitches up at the front of the order is so important. You remember uh, yeah. Kevin Euclid? Yeah. I mean, that guy would wear a pitcher down. Him and Moncada, 2-3. You know, I, I just feel like if those guys, and I don't know, I think Collins probably strikes out way too much, but I kind of look at him kind of the same way as I did Moncada. And if you can figure that out, those guys have such a good understanding of the strike zone. And I think part of the problem in, in Zach Collins' small sample size was, A, he wasn't getting enough at-bats, and B, is that we've kind of written him off as a platoon player already. Yeah. You know, and I just – I, I kind of like him in the in the 2-3 spot. If he can if he can figure it out um, – yeah, we've, we've said figure it out so many times tonight, Johnny. I, I just – you know, it's almost reminiscent said, of a are, of a four need, feathers are we, episode. Are we gonna need the letter, Kenny? We're gonna need clip. it. Figure we're, it. Out. We're gonna need I'm it. Figure it. Out. Um, you know, just we saw this in the game against Detroit. I forget which one it was. Probably the yeah, it was the first game. The Sox were taking almost every first pitch 
and you you out that that starting pitcher in the second third inning because he's yeah. you know 50 60 pitches in that does so much especially in a series um to just get into that bullpen and I really like that I don't think that Collins is your prototypical two hitter but you know if if he can figure that out and get on base enough up there at the top you know, getting on base is, is important for guys like Moncada and Eloy to come drive him in. I just think yeah. that that's important. I just want to see him in a position to get consistent at-bats, just to see what he can do. I think AAA maybe isn't reflective of what he's going to do at the major league level, um, but I think his ability to draw walks will continue to be reflective. It has been at every level as he's gone through. The one thing that's been consistent, granted, strikeouts, but also the amount of times he walks. He would, I I think it was maybe still a couple of weeks ago that Yonder Alonso had still been leading the team in walks. I forgot like, about that name. That is, exactly. Like, you forget about the guy who's leading your team in walks. Like, that is not good. <sighs> and that doesn't speak well to the team moving forward if you can't, manufacture good at-bats like someone like Collins can. I think he has a real potential, once given the at-bats, to break out and have a really good year and really get rid of that label that everyone's kind of putting on him now that he's just a platoon guy. He's just, I'm going to hit against righties type guy. I think there's some potential there. Yonder Alonso hitting three thirty three for the Colorado Rockies. So he's interesting. I He said this earlier in the season, something like, you know, I'm in a lineup or where or something about, like, he's not getting the normal protection. He's not seeing the same pitches he usually would. And that's a factor of the Sox have a terrible lineup they're trotting out there every night. There's no protection in the lineup. I kind of bide what he said when he said it. And now that he's going to Colorado, the team's – competing for the playoffs or at least close to it i kind of buy what he was saying earlier i know how johnny feels about yonder alonzo i was just hoping for some added power man he 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 was not long off a all-star campaign with cleveland in 2017 and he did not have a terrible year in 2018. He wasn't an all-star again, but he did not have a terrible year. And it always seemed like when I was at the ballpark, you know, I get to a decent amount of Indians Sox games a year. Just the 40-game plan just makes that happen. He always seemed to come up with a clutch hit, uh, whether he's driving a double to the gap or you'd put one out on us. Uh, and granted, that's a result of White Sox pitching being bad too. But still, uh, just seeing this guy, I was not – I was actually – not hating it as as much as some other people did. I know the age and then the uh, backup of people there, but I thought, hey, if this guy can add a little bit of pop, uh, maybe become one of the true mainstays in a five spot or something like that in the order. And then I went on to spring training um, with Andrew Kinsler, and we were at the Cleveland Indians facility, and we were out in the parking lot. We had just parked, and some Indians fans walked by, saw our White Sox jerseys, and we kind of gave each other a little crap back and forth. 
and we had just talked about, you know, oh, we got, you know, Yonder Alonso now. We're actually, you know, a little bit, eh, we're looking forward to maybe add a little power or we got a hitter's ballpark, whatever. And the guy said, oh, no, you guys can have him. He's trash. He's trash. And I was like, oh, well, I don't know what they saw. And then he looked good in spring training and then just, man, just so disappointing. Uh, I, I think disappoint. I, I'm angry at other guys, Tony, but I think I'm just most disappointed with him. Um, yeah, I mean, but, it was uh, it was bad. Uh, we all know yeah. how it went down. Uh, I don't yeah. think we need to get into the weeds too much with uh, with everything that Yonder Alonso did in his time on the south side because, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I had mentioned it before, a question that I had brought up that kind of, you know, we jumped off on a couple different topics here, which is good. Uh, I like that. I like the discussion. But, Jordan, uh, we've been in the knee-gritty. We've been in the numbers. We've been in the state of the White Sox future, all that good stuff. Uh, let's get some lighter stuff. Uh, you, you had a little bit of a take that uh, I kind of agree with. Um I think you said you liked, you enjoyed the players' weekend jerseys, uh, and at least for the White Sox, I agree. I do. What are your thoughts White on Sox, it? So I had this. I think a lot of Sox fans had this mini theory that with all the stuff guaranteed rate was putting out, and it all had the same White Sox script that's on the players' jersey. That there's a chance they might roll that out next year as like an alternate jersey, and I really like it. I think the black on black is going to look cool. I like the white jerseys. The only thing I'm a little hesitant about are the white hats. I'm not sure how those are going to look. I'll have to wait until players weekend. But overall, I really like the jerseys. I'm glad we got the black ones, the kind of charcoal, gray, yeah. whatever you want to call it on the outline, because it works great for our color scheme. Oh, I yeah. look, uh, someone's take. I don't even know who it was, but you know, the rest of the league just wants to be like the White Sox. There you go. Is it? Yeah. Never a bad you, thing. Use the color scheme. But um, yeah, those will be interesting to see. Uh, white ones are just going to be a little hard to see, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think that's going to be the toughest thing with that. But I like ours because, like I said, the charcoal gray on that outline and that uh, text, I got that hoodie at that game, and mm-hmm. it, it, I love it. So um, I wouldn't be mad if they use that as an alternate uh, in years going forward. So. Um, could be a sign of things to come, may just be this thing, but, um, you know, I, I, I like, uh, breaking down uniforms and stuff like that. So uh, I just wanted to get your take on that. Um, then Tony, I, th- I think you have, you have a question that y- you had added and this one wasn't one of mine. So, oh yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So little saber metrics versus meatball takes. Who's going to win an arm wrestling match? Your guy, Jason Benetti or Hawk Harrelson. I'll take Jason Benetti all day. I got I got to stick with my man here. He is such I've had the, through the socks math stuff. I had the chance to interact with him. He is such a cool dude. Like conversation he is so good having a conversation with you, getting to know you, making you feel like he knows you. And he's a really cool guy. I wish more Sox fans had the chance to meet him. He's awesome. So let's, uh, you know, you are huge on Sox math. I know this. Um, you, you've shared your results with us in the uh, Sox on 35th side of things <laughs> uh, fairly frequently. And it's great. And you were part of that panel last year, like you had said, uh, just now that you got to interact with Benetti uh, in person, actually, because you were a Sox math finalist. Are you in the running again this year? Uh, let our listeners yes. know. So sep- once September comes, so each month, they have the daily competition. Then the last day of the month, the two fastest from all the winners who won in that month go to the finals in September. So there's going to be a pool of 12 people, and then the three fastest from there 
are the ones who actually play at Sox Man. So I'm part of that pool of, what is it now, eight, I guess. So we're waiting for the other four, and then we'll play in September. That's great. Yeah. Um, uh, I was going to say, we, we will give you a chance at the end, but let your let the listeners know uh, where they can follow along with your journey there, because sometimes um, I, I have tried to play sometimes, but I'm not very good at it. Um, you are great at it. Uh, there's a handful of people on Sox Twitter are, but um, just so they can follow along with the drama because it, it is good entertainment when you're watching the games where, where they follow you. Oh, yeah. So the my Twitter handle is at jlazowski14. Usually I like to think I have a pretty decent Twitter in general outside of the Sox math fun. Um, always feel free to interact with me. I love responding to anything that comes up especially uh, some of Tony's meatball takes once in a while. Those are fun. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, always look forward to new followers, new faces, new people to have conversations with. Absolutely. All right, we just wanted to get that out of the way because uh, you are you are a Soxmath whiz. Um, that was great that you were in the final. Hopefully you can actually win it this year. Um, I know That'd you be nice. Stiff, you have some stiff competition, but oh, uh, yeah. it, it's always good to see you up there on the stage at Soxfest uh, interacting with Benetti. And then obviously all those other guys are very worthy of being there as well. Absolutely. So, um, Tony, I think it's almost time to move into quick hits. Are you ready for this? It's absolutely time to move into quick hits. I need to grab a beer before we do quick hits, though. So if you two want to just discuss whatever it is, um, I've killed my whole uh, lineup of beers that uh, that I had lined up for this, uh, this podcast so far. So I'm going to grab a beer. Um, if you guys want to talk about anything, go right on ahead. I will be back in two minutes. I got a topic, and then we're going to need your answer. I'll repeat the question when we get back. Who, me? What? Yes, okay, we'll right. need your answer when you get back, but we'll, me and Jordan will discuss right. very here. Impo- right. Very important beer run. Okay. All right, Jordan, uh, did you see, first of all, so I'm not shooting dark here, did you see all the names for the Players Weekend jerseys? Yes. Okay. Yes, I did. So we're, we're going to discuss a few of them here, and I want you to give your favorite one um, out of all of these and then some honorable mentions um whatever i'll actually start this one i I know there's one that's really good and you may mention it here but i'm gonna go mine first is alex calame the horse um that's a solid one just just hilarious um i I love it i'm big alex calame fan you know i you knew my thoughts on narvaez um i aired those out a little bit earlier uh so i'm happy alex calame is here uh, but what's your what's your favorite, and then what are what are your other interesting ones? Uh, what, what were some of your uh, the ones that you liked uh, or did not like? Whatever your take was on it. So, in general, I was actually kind of surprised Giolito didn't pick one. Just, but it also seems to make sense the type of guy he is. Cease completely makes sense that he just kept his last name too. Very just plain. the type of methodical, <laughs> very plain type player he is. The easy answer is Evan Marshall's forgetting Sarah. I think that, that's the easy answer. Everyone loves it. I think it's great, though. That is hilarious. I'm so glad he's playing into that. And I think it's good for Evan Marshall himself because, yeah. you know, he, he has been getting a lot more respect for coming out of the scene and being a very reliable uh, bullpen piece for us this season. But back in spring training, I, you know, made all those gifts so I could share highlights with what was going on. And uh, Evan Marshall's wife 
would be the only one that's liking a Marshall strikeout yeah. from me. She would come and find it on my Twitter from the gifts that I was putting up. And she was the only that's one. Awesome. I was like, well, why aren't you guys giving any Evan Marshall love? So I feel like this just makes him more of a personality, and that's great. I love it. And like you said, he's absolutely been a big piece of the uh, bullpen. Oh, um, is- I- oh, go ahead. I was going to say, he's, uh, I mean, he's a great story, too, because he, he was yeah. the one that got, uh, you know, he took a ball to the head, um, not oh, yeah. what, maybe four years ago, I think it was, right. uh, when he was with the D-backs. So, um, just great story there. Uh, Evan Marshall, good guy. Solid reliever as well. Yeah. No, you always love stories like that. Kind of like uh, Farquhar last year, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, same kind of deal. You love to see those type of guys come back. In general, I really liked that Yomer, just for just pure Yomer reasons, that he put his son's name on the back. I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. I think as his son grows up, like that'll be something he remembers. Um, Yomer might not have the longest career left in him at the major league level, as sad as it is to say. Mm-hmm. So it's like to be able to look back on that and have his son's name on there, I think that's actually really awesome. Yeah, uh, so I just got to run through these. A couple of the other ones that I thought were funny were uh, Jimmy Cordero, just Gerard. Mm-hmm. No, it's his middle name, but like someone had because res- I'd like said like, "Oh, Alex Calame wins," because I just really like that one. I put out a tweet about it, and someone responded to me and just said, "Gerard, I'm dead." I don't know if you knew <laughs> that it was. He's just like, it's like it's just so like you know, it, I don't know. It just, I guess it's just a funny sounding middle name. Uh, Jace Fry going with Frenchie. Uh, I mean, you know, play it. Play on his last name. I uh, might as well. Um, and then I also like it's very simple, uh, very simple. But Josh Osich, just oh, oh. because y- you may not know this backstory, but Tony is terrible at pronouncing things, names, places, whatever, just terrible at it. And he always says Osich. <laughs> so now this will help. Talking about Josh Osich. We're talking about Players Weekend jersey. That's what I was wanted to get your take on what your favorite one was, or if you had any comments on him. Um, we have them all up here in the document, Tony. But I we we had given ours. Um, we'll, we'll let you give yours here in a second. But when we were just going down here, some of the ones I thought were funny or good, or just pointing something out about them, and I said Osich is just oh, so you know it, it's for you. I think he, I think he did it just for you, Tony. So you know that it's Osich, not Osich. It's definitely Osich. Um, it's never changing. <laughs> is it ostrich? It is. It's kind of like ostrich. If you're just you know like I don't know how he gets to Osich. You know if it was oh such it should be oh oh such um okay it's definitely os- print, it's definitely awesome print the josh ostrich shirts right now josh there you ostrich go. yes what's uh, for real though what's your favorite one we gave ours uh before uh or right as you had left so um going through here well john jays is terrible 305 j like all right you know you should have brought me machado here we really get it, bro. You're from Miami. Miami. Yeah, we get it. Um, man, these are all terrible. In, in my the ones opinion. that are highlighted are good, Tony. Uh, I mean, Alex Calame, the horse. That's Yeah, he's a workhorse. I mean, yeah. Evan Marshall we talked about last night on Socks on Tap. Um, forgetting Sarah, obviously, Marshall. Uh, that I mean, that's funny. You should laugh about that one. I feel like everybody would, would go – with that, um, I really don't understand Matt Skulls, Baba. Yeah. yeah, what is that? I don't, what I don't understand that? that at all. Um, you know, Ruiz is going with his hometown name, like 
you don't have a nickname, Ruiz? Like, come on. Like, how do you not have a nickname? <laughs> Nobody gave you a nickname at all in your life? Like, come on. That's, I don't know. Yeah, um, you, you would think that he has something because he's a converted catcher, too. Yeah. So you would That's think that there's, point. like, a, something the, the bullpen guys would poke fun at somewhere in there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, you know, it's... Like, oh, dude, they, you, you, like, think, like, you know, it's like, oh, they're all, like, dialed in, whatever. I went, all right, so I went to the little inside thing. I went to the grinder bash a couple weekends ago, and these guys have so much time there. They literally, whenever there's a call to the pen, they mark it and they have it tallied. I put this up on the socks on 35th That's Instagram. Funny. They, have, they have it tallied, and then they also all have their like, like they sign this beam, you know, like they sit in like in that lower part, uh, yeah. that's behind the fence. They sit in that lower part, and then they have it's just a bench like the dugout. So they sit on the top part, but they reach up and they sign this beam. It's an autograph beam for everyone that's been in there. And I saw all the names, you know, whatever, both the starters and relievers from past years. Uh, it's cool to see Danny Farquhar. But even there, th- what I'm getting at is they put nicknames on there. Like Farquhar put F A R K, Fark, like underneath his signature. Um, other guys, G- Giolito put Gio. Um, does- you said other. Here's my qu- here's my next question, I and mean, that, that's awesome. But I'm just like, how does Sebi Zavala and Carlos Rodon get get players week injured? They're on the forty man. Yeah, there's more. That you, but okay, maybe we don't have them all listed here. But that, there's not forty people. Those are the right ones here. that had submitted one. Well, here's yeah. the here's the really disappointing. Scott Merkin. So Merck, if you left left one out, then shame on you. Well, <laughs> here's the thing that, that pissed me off um, is that Eloy Jimenez. I, do do I even see him on here? I don't see him on yeah, here. He's, he's the big baby. The big baby. Very last one on the uh, top page, Tony. His should have either been "Hi, mom" or just the the emoji. Ooh, yeah, you could do emojis. Uh, you know, you could, the, yeah. yeah, so you could do the emojis. He should have had like the okay emoji. Him or him or, Lur- or Lurie Garcia should they should have both oh, had oh, the emoji. You know he, I got it in red. I think I, I think Eloy should have taken the emoji. Um, and then Lurie Garcia should have done Leroy Jenkins since it's yes. so close to Lurie. Leroy Jenkins. It should have just been like, yeah, Leroy Garcia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Leroy uh, Jenksia. That, that, so did you declare a favorite one here? Sorry, I may be forgetting, but. Um, or, do you, or do you just despise all of them? <laughs> you know, I can go really bad with the Dylan Covey, Cove, but I'll do it off air. Um, and then, uh, if I have to pick a favorite, I don't know. I think they all suck, to be honest. <laughs> forgetting Sarah is pretty funny. I mean, forgetting, forgetting Sarah, Sarah is, funny. is pretty funny. Um, I really don't get Adam Engel's Man of Steel thing he's got going on. That's a that's a social media. Handle. I know it's a social yeah. media handle, but um, Dylan Cease going with his own fucking last name. Like, I'm just gonna light this up for <laughs> a know. second here. Are you that fucking unoriginal, Dylan Cease? Like he, I think he's just stoic. He's stoic. I I think that is methodical. It's very fitting for him. Yeah, that is the most Dylan Cease thing to declare he is choosing a player's nickname and declare that it's going to be his last name. I feel that is so Dylan Cease. I don't know the dude for for next. Why wasn't it like desist? That could have been funny. You know, like just something, like there's something that you could have done here. Right. But like, right, you know, so... you know, now now he is boring to me. <laughs> just absolutely boring. That's that's a personality, Tony. So, well, um, you know. But what, what we need to do is start since we're in on the ground level of it here, reviewing these names. 
let's start either cease hammer or cease and desist. We'll get them to do one of them next year. Just push it enough. There you go. And, we'll, and we'll, get, we'll, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get it. Can we get Sox on 35th and on Tap Sports Net to, to push this? I think we get, we've got enough. Well, I, think, I think we could. I yeah. think there's enough following there. And here's um, another one. You know, Jimmy Cordero going with his middle name, Gerard. <laughs> like, do these guys. You know what's really cringeworthy is when Benetti goes down with these, like, quick questions. It's almost this. This reminds me of like quick question. What's your nickname? You know, and like they give like these like terrible answers. It's yeah, it's gr- like, it's uh, kind of great TV because they're like, uh, I don't know. Like, are all these guys like that? Like unoriginal. What would you have gone with for yours? I mean, the cheese man. I mean, I've been I've been called I've been called Marchese my whole life. That's you know, fair. crazy Marchese the cheese something something stupid. You know, like Crazy I could have, I could have found, like I could have found one. Crazy Marchese. Yeah, well, what, you know, whatever. What, what would yours have been? Yeah, then, what have yours have been, Jordan? I've gotten my nicknames have been either Jordy or Laz. I've gotten okay. I probably would put Mike because for an entire baseball season, because my last name's Lazowski. Sounds like Mike Wazowski. It does. For an entire season, I would have just I gone had, with yeah Wazowski. I'd either do Mike or Wazowski. I had a our catcher that season in throughout the season and in school when he would see me would go, Hey Mike. And it was by the end of the season, he had never called me by my actual name to the point where I was convinced he thought my name was Mike. (laughs) Cause I was a junior just up on varsity and he was a senior. So I had a feeling like he might not actually know my name. So I would probably choose that one just for the memories, but Wazowski would have been another good one. Yeah, the, 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 that's a good uh, backstory behind it. And maybe some of these guys have one. I mean, uh, I will agree with you, Tony, that some of them are pretty dry. But there are a couple of <coughs> here. Like, I'd like to hear the story behind um, Alex Calme. Um, yeah. Just I would like to just have Evan Marshall explain it and just laugh to the camera about it, um, any of that. But uh, I would probably have to go with um, yeah, it's a tough one. You know, I, I have named that rhyme, so it's it's pretty solid to start with. Not to toot my own horn, but I'd probably go with uh, nonsense I like that. I feel That's like that kind of plays plays with the last name. Um, I could be full of some nonsense sometimes, so um, it could kind of work on two levels. But you know, maybe, seg- maybe- we, we just got a new segment on Chai Sox we could call Nonsense. Ooh, yeah, there you I go. like that better. I like that. Yeah, that's a good one. That that could be yeah, that could work. Um, anyway, uh, Tony, what we're gonna get into before you left, um, I did like that discussion on the players' weekend jerseys. So uh, let's do quick hits. And since uh, you had said John had stolen your thunder on him, uh, they're yours again for this week. Let's you know, go. This was you an unfair discussion, but I used to be the one that would read the quick hits to Jonda when this first started, and all of a sudden he took over the quick hits, and I've been dying. Absolutely dying to read some quick hits to somebody. So strap in, Jordan. Get ready. Here, Here it comes. Are, are you familiar with quick hits, Jordan? I am. You are. Okay. All right. So you know you know the drill, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna strap right in here. Let me know when you're ready, and we will run you through quick hits on Let's do it. Weekly. All right. Perfect. <laughs> Starting out here, quick hits with Jordan Lazowski. <laughs> Favorite White Sox moment. Oh, okay. I was uh, 
Burley when he flipped his uh, uh, the ball through his legs because I was at that game. All right, favorite White Sox player between Frank Thomas and Paul Canerco. Paul Canerco got a fat head of him on my wall right now. Favorite food at the ballpark. Hot dog with grilled onions. Favorite band. Oh, shit. Zach Brown Band. I'm a big country guy. Favorite fast food. Does Portillo's count? Or Wendy's if it doesn't. Okay. Portillo's uh, counts, I say. Uh, favorite White Sox Twitter follow outside of anybody that's on the show? Oh. Okay, do you know, I'm sure you do, Bennett Carroll? He was the one who got popular when he started, um, I think it was retweeting all like the Tati stuff or something like that. Um, he's actually, he's a uh, fellow Dylan, or not Dylan Covey, Lucas Giolito lover. So I got to go with him. Robin Ventura or Ricky Renteria? <laughs> Robin Ventura. What's a better stat? Pitcher wins or RBIs? RBIs. Not by much. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you just got to make this stat guy just, like, shake his head at us. What do you top your hot dog with? I go Chicago dog if I'm getting that. Otherwise, it's ballpark grilled onions. Is Jim Tomei a White Sox legend? Yes, blackout game. Would you go out after a White Sox game with Wally Money? Any of those guys, absolutely. (laughs) Jordan may never make it home. All right. (laughs) Better career, Michael Kopech or Lucas Giolito? Ooh. Right now, Lucas Giolito. I have to see how Kopech comes back. What's the next year the White Sox make a playoff run? 2020. They make the playoffs 2021. Will Nick Madrigal make the White Sox roster as a starter? If I were GM, no. This team, yes. Miller Light, Bud Light, or Coors Light? Coors. Can you strike out Shy Sox Janda? That's not even a question. There, there's there's no doubt about it in my mind. Turtles, Cork, or Shinix? Shinix, gotta go with the uh gotta go with the familiar one. Hell yeah. Favorite sport besides baseball? Football. Next White Sox player to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Ooh. Let's go with, uh, this is going to be a good one. Robert. Let's go with Robert. How do you take your jello shots? Multiple at a time, usually. Ooh, I like that. I like that. I like that that answer. (laughs) Will the money be spent? The money will be spent. While drinking, can you hold it longer than Shy Sox Janda? I don't think anyone couldn't hold it longer than Chai Sox Janda. 
Now I feel bad. He's not on the show. I'm just ripping him up. Oh, it's true. He'd probably agree with you if he was on here, to be honest with you. Most tradable White Sox prospect. Nick Madrigal. Will the White Sox win a World Series in your lifetime? Yes. All right. And I'm going to finish this one out with one that's not on there. Joe Bender Binder or Johnny Nani? Oh, God, you're going to kill me with that one. I got to go with Joe. Joe's been, a, Joe's been a hell of a guy to work with. Nothing against Johnny. Nothing against Johnny at all. Now's, now it's time for Johnny to rebuttal against that that one right there. I'd be totally offended, but, I mean, it, Joe Joe's like a machine, man. Um, it, it's ridiculous. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how he does it. Um, so, yeah, I, honestly, Jordan, I'd... It, if the if the question was flipped to me, I'd probably have to say the same thing just because of yeah, it's ridiculous. Like I said, he's like a machine. The more I work with him, the more I learn what he does and what he did before any of us joined. It's incredible how much work, how much time, how much dedication he's put into this more than yeah, and, any of us combined. And like I would probably go nuts if I couldn't be at the ballpark. Him running it from the East Coast is yeah. just. That, that, that kind of blows my mind a little bit. Like it, I don't know, but major props. Cause you know, that's an hour later too. Um, yeah. He's staying up for, you know, anything. So the only reason I posed that question is cause I wanted you guys to throw some love over to, to Joe who was not on this show. Um, and I'm sure he's going to listen. Uh, oh, but, yeah. you know, I, I was, I was fortunate enough to meet Joe down in the one Oh eight earlier this season. Um, it was his, I think his first Sox game. Yeah, uh, that he got to go to, and uh, I just wanted to give him a little shout out. Um, you know, he was on the the first time that we were all together uh, on Chai Sox Weekly, and uh, obviously we haven't really done any group guests this year. Um, things get a little hard when you've got a ton of guys on a microphone. Oh so, yeah, uh, I'm I'm sure we will have him on in, in the very near future. But uh, yeah, just shout out Joe. Great guy. Okay. Socks on 35th would not be doing what we're doing without him. It's not even a question. Yeah. So, Jordan, um, if you want to stay on, what we usually do to wrap up the show is eye on the opponents. Um, look at the next ones. Um, sure. So you're more than welcome. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, do a little preview of our next little short homestand coming up here. Um, but before we do that, um, I'd, I'd given you a little plug earlier. But let everyone know again where they find you and then also the work. I mean, I know where it's at. Clearly, uh, Tony knows, but uh, let, let the listeners know in case it may be uh, outside of their stratosphere on Twitter right now. For sure. So once again, my Twitter handle at jlazowski14, spelled like Mike Wazowski, but with an L. Um, <laughs> it's kind of how I like to describe it. Um, the work over at Socks on 35th, if you haven't been there, just like Chai Socks Weekly, guys on Socks on Tap, great follow. Um can't say enough about the work Joe Binder does for Sox on 35th. I know we talked about it. It is an incredible page because of what he does. Absolutely. All right. So now, uh, like I'd mentioned, our, our closing segment is Eyes on the Opponent. Um, we've got a homestand coming up. Boys are back in town. That's what we always like to say, Tony. The boys are back in town. Um, White Sox will be home against Oakland for three this weekend. Uh, there's an off day. This is being recorded on Wednesday night, so you'll be listening to this on the off day, hopefully. Uh, but if you're not, uh, Friday, 2.05 start. Um, interesting one because they're airing Field of Dreams after that Oakland game. Uh, uh-huh. Then Saturday and Sunday as well. 
Um, A's just lost two of three to the Cubs. Um, they got shellacked in game uh, three well, this afternoon. Word. So that they, they may be, they may be, they may be a little uh, angry, a little pissed off. Um, you know, and we got swept out there uh, the last time we played them right after the all-star break. So um, th- that's the one. And then uh, Houston for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I mean, Houston is just lighting the world on fire, uh, running away with the West and they just added Zach Greinke. So uh, Jordan predictions for homestand record wise, uh, what do you want to see? And um, j- just any thoughts uh, on these next two series coming up here? If we go three and three, I'll be happy. I don't, I don't, I don't ever like playing Oakland. And I don't want to play Houston. I hope Giolito gets to pitch against uh, the Astros again. I think he lines up. Or maybe not. Either way. Hopefully he gets to pitch against them. But this is a rough homestand. This is a tough one. Tony, thoughts, predictions? Same thing that Jordan just said. Uh, I can't echo that enough. Um, Three and three. You know, Oakland's going to be brutal. Um you uh you got to know that Oakland has had the White Sox number for god knows how long and I would just like to see them come home and not shit the bed. I think that's important. Um I I just I don't see it being very, being very uh very much in the White Sox favor here although we've we've won what is it now two series in a row. Uh, the White Sox need to play their best baseball against the Oakland A's in order to beat them. And then Houston, these are two really good teams. I mean, it's just, it's going to be rough. It's, it's going to be really rough. I don't know how the pitching matchups are going to come against Houston, but they've got, they've got like four better pitchers in their rotation than the White Sox number one. So at at this point in time, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them get swept in both series. I mean, baseball is a weird sport. You never know what's going to happen, but if we can go three and three, holy shit, I'm going to be, I'm going to be ecstatic. That's a good week of baseball. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So uh, getting to mine really quick. Um, I hate to be this guy, but you, you know me, Tony, I'm pretty much the pessimist of the group uh i'm gonna go that's because uh, you know you know why you're the pessimist that's because your beer is always empty Ooh, yeah that's true <laughs> that, that that's a good point good point um but i, I won't go as I, I could go you know one and five i am gonna go uh, uh i'm gonna go with two and four uh, i i think that ross detweiler uh, i hate to say it but we can pretty much chalk that one up as a loss coming back not, home on not friday afternoon buzz and i Somehow oh, get yeah, together yeah, for yeah. That's right. So, yeah, even though, but we did we did end up losing that game. But it was not Detweiler's fault on uh, Saturday night when we were all together for that Philly game. So, yeah, that's true. We, we needed to schedule a meetup for Friday night. So then Ross Detweiler actually throws well and gives us a chance. But um, I do think we take one in each series. And I say that because it's weird. I know it's not the exact same. And, you know, uh, Houston's loaded up even more, as I just mentioned, uh, introducing these series with Zach Grinke. I don't know if he's lined up to pitch against us at all. Uh, I would guess. Uh, I think he was going out and throwing today. Um, I could be mistaken on that. But uh, I, I would guess that he's going to get one of those games. So um, I do like that we split with them earlier in the season, though. Um, I, that was a four-game series yeah. down in Houston. And 
I think we lost the first two, and we were thinking, oh, crap, four-game sweep. And I, when we had a Shy Sox Weekly before that, I predicted us to get swept in four games. And Tony and John were both pretty, uh, I'd say, optimistic in comparison to me. And they said we were going to split, and we did end up splitting. So um, I'll take one against the Astros, uh, preferably one I'm there, either Monday or Wednesday. But um, we'll, we'll see. I think uh, I, I think we do uh, take one from each of these teams. It sucks. The, the A's, like Tony had said, they kind of have our number. And I don't even know um, how better to describe it than they just have. For a while and yeah. it's going to be going to have to be some turnover from them um you know they're, they're a smaller market team so say uh, there's gonna have to be some turnover where they're having a down year and then our top prospects uh any free agent acquisitions trade acquisitions that we have roll in before that tide really turns i honestly think against the a's so um one in each series uh, unfortunately i would hope I would love to have a winning record in this homestand, but I do not see it in the cards. So um, I hope you guys are right in the split then. Um, well, let's uh, get to some closing thoughts. That's the eye on the opponent. We, we've got that wrapped up. Uh, if you're coming out to the ballpark Saturday night, I'll be out in Lepi. Um, anyone feel free to stop by. Uh, it'll be a good time. Um, Monday, Wednesday, I should be at the park. I don't know if Tony, Tony, you slave for any of those games. Uh, I believe I've got two of them. I'm not sure off the top of my head which ones they are. Um, so I, I will be at the ballpark. I just I don't know which days. <laughs> All right. Um, closing thoughts. Time to call up Luis Robert. Um, I'll hand it over to you guys for your closing thoughts. I echo that statement 100%. Jordan, I want to just thank you for coming on. Um, it's always good to talk baseball with you. Um, you know, like you said, it we off, we offer some differing opinions. I wouldn't say I'm right a hundred percent of the time. I know you're not right a hundred percent of the time, but you you seem like you're right a hundred percent of the time. Um, just <laughs> with everything you've said this year, um, makes me feel a little insecure. Uh, just on my baseball knowledge, because you know, it just seems like everything that you've predicted has come to fruition. I hope that uh, that remains true as long as you're predicting good things for the White Sox. Um, you know, I, I just I will uh, I'll look to you for guidance on that. Uh, again, just thank you for coming on. Um, great show. Um, keep doing what you're doing over there for Sox on 35th. And then, uh, you know, one thing that we didn't mention was your uh, your other work that you do over at Diamond Digest. Uh, love that stuff. Um, so, you know, just keep doing what you're doing, man. Uh, and uh, all you that uh, don't follow Jordan, uh, please make sure that you uh, toss him a follow on Twitter. Uh, it's it's good baseball stuff. Hey, gentlemen, thanks again for having me on. Uh, you know, we mentioned that Beef Loaf article earlier about his hot takes that he got wrong. You know, we all have those. I feel like we all should write our own takes we got wrong type article and. It's easy to focus on all the good ones and then kind of let those bad ones fall by the side. So this goes to John to two. You and uh, Tony, you've both been uh, gracious in how you've handled my uh, prediction of Giolito and McCann. And it's all in good fun, of course. And like I said, appreciate you guys, Johnny, all you guys for having me on. Love talking baseball with you guys. Always a pleasure. And hopefully we can do this again. All right, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this. Um, Mr. Tailgate himself here. Uh, when's the next time you are just going to be out the ballpark? Um, I feel like it's been a while since I've seen you there. I know. Uh, probably early June. Um, so do, do you have any idea? Or I uh, hope soon. I mean, I'm still trying to get used to the uh, 
you know, big boy work lifestyle. I'm on a mm-hmm. month at a full-time job now, so. Congratulations. Starting to learn how to, thank you, starting to learn how to do the uh, whole adulting thing, but I definitely will be out to a few more by the end of the season. There's no doubt about that. Awesome. Well, you just put it out there on Twitter. Um, we will, you know, share it from Shy Sox Weekly, uh, from Untap Sportsnet, um, all of that good stuff, uh, because it'd be great. Um, you know, it's it's always fun to talk about this. Unfortunately, it's over a Skype call. It'd be great if we were all in the same room, but Absolutely. Uh, great, great place to do all that stuff is in Lot B. Uh, tailgating um, in the stands, whether it be the bleachers, section 149, section 108, wherever we're at. Um, so I just said to, I'd be remiss as the engagement director for uh, Saxon 35th to not ask that. So um, the, the, that is honestly all I've got. Um, I love that we were able to have you on and kind of discuss because there was that, you know, beef, but all in good fun. Um, oh, absolutely. About the Giolito stuff. Um, I, I need to sometimes play a little mediator here, but um, th- that's what it's here for. And we hope it was a enjoyable episode for you guys. Hope you learned a little bit something. I know I learned a little bit something just asking Jordan these questions. Um, Jordan, we always close it out with a let's go White Sox. Let's hear it. Gentlemen, let's go White Sox. Let's, let's go, go White Sox. Sox.